Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. On this week's episode of Where We Are, we'll talk about the controversy in Congress this week surrounding Congresswoman Ilhan Omar and look ahead to the State of the Union. You're listening to Where We Are. You're listening to Where We Are. I'm Michael Ware. I'm Melissa Ware. And it's good to be with you for another episode. This episode, just Melissa and I. No guests this episode, but we had a great time with Sissy Goff and David Thomas last week. This week, where you know the news is starting to pick up in the new year. We have State of the Union next week. We'll talk about that. The new Congress is settling in. We'll talk about the controversy this week over Congresswoman uh, Ilhan Omar. Thankfully, we have very little to add uh, on the uh, Chinese balloon situation. Neither I nor Melissa are ex- experts on, uh, on, on that topic. Um, I will say that I did get kicked out of my, uh, I lost my third grade spelling bee uh, because I misspelled balloon. Um, so, you know, there's that, uh, but not much else to add on the topic. Melissa, you don't have any uh, Chinese balloon insights, do you? Actually, I was going to talk about China with the so too, but sure, no specific balloon <laughs> insights, I guess. But I do have wider foreign policy insights, yes. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, this is definitely the most prominent balloon-related foreign policy item in a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know when the last time there was dirigibles and if they were used. I think they were used by, like, the Germans. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, maybe, like, the... What was it? The Hildenburg? Yeah. Yeah. Hindenburg. Hind- Hindenburg. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, <laughs> Michael. See, I just you misspell took, and mispronounce took, all balloon-related you took items. European world politics in like tenth grade. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, that was the last I touched it. Should we go back and edit Hildenburg or just leave it in? We're gonna leave it in okay, there. Okay, okay. Well, I took a bite of some mango salsa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about. Ilhan Omar. Melissa, can you set us up? What what happened this week? Yep, so the House is settling in, like you said, and this past week on Thursday, um, there was a 218 to 211 party line vote that would remove Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Um, it was said that it was done over past comments that she has made about Israel that were um, that have been condemned widely as anti-Semitic. Um, but we also all know that Republicans, when uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia and Representative Paul Gosar of Arizona were kicked off of their committee assignments when the Democrats had House Majority, 
Republicans basically, I think it was Speaker uh, McCarthy, vowed that there would be repercussions for that kind of move. And here we are with Representative Ilhan Omar um, being removed from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Now, you have some thoughts. I do. I do have some thoughts. I mean, one of the interesting things was to see uh, Democrats line up to support Omar robustly. And not just the far left, but you saw Dean Phillips, for instance, a fellow Minnesotan, but also one of the more centrist members of uh, of the House, uh, of House Democrats, uh, also a, a big supporter of Israel. And uh, you really saw Democrats uh, close close ranks on on this one, and it just you know I was just thinking about why that is. Well, you know, um, as you noted, it's quite a um, uh, difference from Republican reaction to Marjorie Taylor Greene, Paul Gosar, where. You know, there were there were sort of um, some Republicans took actual votes against those members, uh, but but also there was just a lot of sort of public criticism. Now, when Omar made these remarks, there were there was, as you noted, Melissa, public criticism from Democrats, but it was in rejection of the remarks, not typically of Omar herself. Uh, Dean Phillips, in his floor remarks, uh, very similarly said, you know, that he disagrees with Omar on a range of policy issues, but uh, respects her, thinks she's a, a, a good member of Congress, that that sort of thing. And, and, I, and I just think it's an it's an interesting, you know, what do the Democrats gain by putting up? robust support for Omar. Um, and I think a big thing that they gain um, uh, is they wanted to make sure that they were contending for independent voters and certainly for Democrats themselves to not allow McCarthy to make an equivalence between Omar and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Gosar. The uh, Democrats wanted to do everything that they could to not sort of allow the line to go, well, the Republicans have some crazies, Democrats have some crazies. And that actually like happens to be, I, I think, like a really pivotal uh, line in our sort of in the political state of play right now. And so you saw Democrats were in their seats for uh, many Democrats for these debates. There were loud cheers every time uh, uh, a Democrat went up to speak in defense of Omar. Uh, yes, part of that was in defense of what they viewed as sort of the House functioning well. Democrats argued that Gosar and Green were removed from their committees for threatening acts of violence against members. 
Whereas that's not a line that Omar herself crossed. So I just think that's a, a significant dynamic that's playing out here. This, this is, to me, a big part of this. Yes, McCarthy wanted to get some revenge for the difficult place that Democrats put him when he was minority leader. But this is a fight for independence. Republicans thought they had an easy target in Omar, and certainly Omar is not the most popular member of Congress. Democrats were, rather than sort of conceding that uh, Omar was somehow equivalent uh, or sort of their version of a Marjorie Taylor Greene or a Paul Gosar, Put up a put up a fight. Um, Omar will be removed from the well has been removed from the Foreign Affairs Committee. She will be able to serve in other uh, on other committees uh, at least up to this point. The last thing I'd, I'd I'd add here is just on you know I think especially in in light of how it played out uh, seems like. Even some House Republicans who voted to remove Omar believe that the vote was, uh, was quote, the stupidest vote in the world to House Republicans. And these are relatively conservative members. Ken Buck and, and Mike Simpson were overheard while uh, entering the elevator uh, at, at, on the House side of the Capitol uh, saying that the the vote was stupid and would, quote, uh, and would make uh, Ilhan Omar into a, quote, martyr. And so uh, Republicans, even this play that was totally within their control, you know, they this is a fight that they chose to pick. Um, there, there's some doubt, even among the Republican caucus, about whether this was a smart, smart approach. I just love that. It was whispers in the house elevator. The amount of whispers that happened in those elevators. Yeah, they didn't whisper low enough, though. <laughs> uh, they really failed, probably because yeah. they knew that someone was overhearing them. Yeah. Uh, well, so so that's uh, that's all I think we have to say on that topic. That is it. Yep. We'll take a quick break. When we get back, we will look ahead to President Biden's State of the Union. This is where we are. Valentine's Day is less than 10 days away, and I want to remind you about our good friends at Thistle Farms. Their motto is, love is the most powerful force for change in the world, and it's perfect for this season of love. When a survivor of trafficking or exploitation arrives at Thistle Farms' program, she is provided two years of free housing, trauma therapy, and health care. Then, she gets to build her savings by working in a supportive community, making beautiful candles, gift sets, body and spa products, and more. Here are some of the incredible stats that give a glimpse into the life-changing impact this organization has had. In 2022, Thistle Farms provided 10,000 nights of safe and supportive housing, 3,000 medical counseling and trauma therapy appointments, and 108,000 hours of employment for women survivors. And none of this would have been possible without the support of customers like you. 
With Valentine's Day right around the corner, I could not imagine a more loving gift than a candle or gift set that will be deeply appreciated by the recipient and that simultaneously supports love's healing power in the lives of women survivors. Visit thistlefarms.org and enter the code where we are, that's W-E-A-R, at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. It's really that simple. Buy your loved one a great gift, use our discount code, and support the women who made the gift. Thank you for joining Thistle Farms in lighting up the darkness. We're back. This is where we are. Melissa, Tuesday night, uh, President Biden will give his State of the Union address. It is uh, also, I think, I think others have been saying, will probably say, I think they're they're right, Uh, will also be a sort of informal kickoff to President Biden's re-election campaign. Or, at least, as we've discussed previously on the show, uh, the beginning of him testing the viability of a re-election campaign. Melissa, uh, what should we expect from the State of the Union uh, on Tuesday night? Yeah, so I wanted to do a little exercise with you of what we think we can expect. And besides those expectations, if we wish there were some things that Biden would address in the speech... So what can we expect? I think based on where President Biden has gone over the last month, I think we can expect a lot of emphasis on the economy and on infrastructure because he really holds the cards in both areas. Obviously, with the infrastructure bill, um, he's been going around at least to a few speeches so far just touting the various areas where investments are already being made you know, pretty big investments um, so that, you know, the bill is actually tangible and it's working on the ground already, even though we know that a lot of the bill is actually stretched out over like a decade. And then with the economy, we have inflation has been decreasing for about seven months now. Um, The labor market is just wildly resilient. Um, The new... uh, uh, jobs numbers just came out the, this past week, and insane. The economy added five hundred fifteen thousand jobs. I mean, that's yeah. just that. That's a really large that number. Really exceeded expectations. Meanwhile, the Fed, you know, just raised another quarter of a point this past week. And but we keep on talking about a recession, but we haven't actually seen a recession yet because just uh, a couple weeks ago, numbers on the United States is. Um, uh, growth came out, and we grew in the last quarter of 2022 as we had been the previous quarter. So the economy seems to be pretty resilient. Obviously, Biden has to address the economy in his speech um, in a way where a lot of Americans are still feeling the effects of inflation, especially the, the poorest Americans. Um, so he has to balance that out, but really he has a victorious sort of narrative to tell the American people. I expect um, that he will at least talk. I, I'm really unsure on this one as to how much he'll address it, but police reform, just because Tyree Nichols's parents have been invited to the SOTU. Now, I, I mean, I don't know if his parents have accepted or not, so, you know, that remains to be seen. But 
that there should at least be obviously that acknowledgement where they stand up and everybody gives them a you know standing ovation kind of thing. Um, so there should be at least a little bit of that. I expect immigration and the border to be addressed at least a little bit as a sort of 2024 sneak peek with um, you know bipartisan support, that sort of narrative around that particular um, policy piece. And then I do expect him to, specifically because of this balloon thing, this Chinese weather slash spy balloon over the last week became <laughs> such a huge viral hit. Um, and with the war going on, you know, in Ukraine by, you know, by Russia, that I do expect no, foreign wait, policy. I'm sorry, weather splash spy, a spy balloon. I love the idea that like, all President Z wanted was to like see if the weather in Jackson Hole was like <laughs> up to his vacation standards. Um. No, they're saying that this balloon was the size of three school buses. It's a big balloon. <laughs> Just a balloon telling the temps and all the conversations going on on the ground. Just doing doing the most. But Anyways. a quick point of clarity: the, the this this isn't confirmed yet, but the speculation is that. The the I mean this seems to be have you heard anything else the most plausible thing seems to be that the the balloon was over um, uh, ICBM uh, intercontinental uh, ballistic missile uh, 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 station in Montana have yeah, you heard I mean, anything so, else about yeah why so the, the Air Force was? has a few stations in Montana specifically like nuclear sites um, or that's what they deal in I, I you know I, my brother can correct me on this one. Um, but yes, the, the the military has some obvi- obviously some some stations there, and so yes, they could have been looking at that. I mean, but China is giving the explanation on this one that it flew off course, according to you know like the westerlies, which I haven't heard the term westerlies since like third grade. Um, and I can actually, and a lot of people are actually saying they can believe that it did actually go way off course than what they thought, but they had enough instruments on there to get it to come back (laughs) yeah so they you know montana was very apropos because basically like what i've been reading from various experts on this particular kind of technology is that we have you know china has all the satellites and other kinds of high-tech equipment in the world but this balloon is clever because it actually get um to a certain level in the stratosphere the toposphere whatever you call it and (laughs) and spy on communications that Right. Things that are higher up actually can't hear. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I'm this is a so, very big I'm so sorry because off of the so too. We uh we were pretty clear that we don't know enough about balloons and I asked Melissa a technical question about balloons. So Yeah, when Michael <laughs> was saying that about this whole where he's like, Melissa and I aren't experts, I was thinking in my head, I was like, Michael, I've looked up everything about this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So the people have some answers. Okay, get back to so too. <laughs> yes. Anyways. So I expect those issues to be brought up during the so too. I do not expect President Biden to announce that he's running in 2024. That would no, be that no, would no, be no. some people are floating it out there. I'm like it's ridiculous. No, and I do not expect him to um, address the classified document situation. I, I'm sorry. I get that we had a president who held a campaign event on the South Lawn of the White House, yeah, but uh-huh. uh, that no, was the last guy. It's not happening. Okay. Yes, and I do not expect him to cover the classified document situation, and it's not just because of like, hey, I don't want to bring anything, uh, you know, putting negative light, but there's an investigation going on. Like, it's actually the right thing to do. Um, 
I think that there could possibly be a few other things, but Michael, do you, do, what do you think what else will be in there besides foreign policy on China and Russia, uh, immigration, police reform, economy, infrastructure? I mean, no, I, I think how much of a focus there is on immigration, like you mentioned immigration, but, you know, I think we'll get a real signal from the State of the Union whether the White House actually intends to make a push for this bipartisan legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that would look like is an extended defense, not just like a one-line call to, to consider it or whatever. Uh, also related to immigration, the Vice President's been uh, given the Northern Triangle in her portfolio. I also wonder if there will be an update on or expansion of investments in the Northern Triangle. And I mean, I think that leads to a, a more general question of, you know, just pay attention to how often Vice President Harris is mentioned in the State of the Union uh, and how often she's referred to as a decision maker. I'll leave it there. Very important. Uh, very. Uh, I'll, I'll be. I'll be keeping track of that. Um, I also think on criminal justice reform. Uh, I think it's certainly going to come up. I. I do wonder. You know the. The current approach is the George Floyd Policing Act. We. That push was made. We all know what happened there. Tim Scott proposed Mm -hmm. his own bill that included aspects of the George Floyd Policing Act. When Democrats controlled the House, they would not bring it up for a vote. Some of the measures in that bill, obviously, I won't relitigate the whole thing, but I will just restate the obvious fact that obviously... The, the Scott's bill included some good things, at least, because some of the things in Scott's bill were also in the Democrats' bill. <laughs> and so, uh, and Democrats did not want to, uh, did not bring it up for a vote. And so, instead of something getting done, nothing got done. And now we're here again. And so, it will be interesting to see if Biden has a one note. I'm calling on Congress to pass the George Floyd, uh, the George Floyd bill, or or if he you know says that, but then says you know in in lieu of that, you know I call on Congress to get together and get something done. You know I recognize Republicans are in control of the House. We shouldn't allow this to go unanswered, um, and so so that'll be an interesting element to to watch. I think the other thing, Melissa. And often, you know, you'll see an administration before, say, the union throw up some trial balloons for Mm -hmm. different policies that they are thinking about Mm -hmm. centering in the, say, the union. We talked on a previous episode about Biden's op-ed on social media and so tech. I was about to say that that two, there were two things that I forgot. One was big tech talking about Silicon Valley and the regulations that he would like passed. Yep. 
especially because he can frame it for families and yeah. for kids. And especially at a time when Republicans are taking the line that we're safeguarding and protecting your kids across the board with, you know, the various, you know, big actors. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that big tech in Silicon Valley is a perfect way of framing that Democrats are also looking out for kids and, you know, trying to protect your kids. Um, and then the other thing is that, you know, with the bill passed this last summer, um, because Biden, if he's focusing on infrastructure, he's going to focus on another victory, which was a big bill this past summer, which had climate change provisions and it had provisions like um, aid for Medicare and for drug prices for capping those that he's going to tout that as a huge victory of Americans during a time of inflation and things like that, that they've been able to save money. Um, he might, you know, sort of put that in the um, the uh, the econ conversation or the econ narrative. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, I, I think it'll be a, another broad theme to look for in the State of the Union uh, is how much is forward looking, mm-hmm. which generally that's what say the unions are. I expect the State of the Union to be, I mean, in some ways it's foreign, uh, forward looking because, you know, the, the infrastructure bill is over 10 years. And so money is, all the money is, you know, um, uh, the money has not been expended from that bill, so in some ways it's forward-looking. But I, I, I do expect much of this speech to be um, Biden telling a story of delivering for the American people and not putting too much weight on what can be done in the next year or two, particularly through legislation, um, given that he has uh, a Republican Republican House. So, you know, Biden is not known as a great orator. And uh, we'll see if the State of the Union is kept to something like 35 minutes 40 or if it goes into the 70, 80 minute mark. Um, uh, but it should be, it should be, uh, you know, inter- interesting to watch. You get a sense of, uh, uh, get a sense of what you know the next what the coming months of American politics are going to look like at least from the president's perspe- perspective yeah I, yeah I think that's right now the second part of the exercise that I wanted to do with you was pie in the sky if you were writing the so to and you had things that you wanted President Biden to talk about whether or not it looked good for 2024 whether or not it was politically expedient etc oh. etc what do you wish that he would address? I mean, it could be some of the things that we've already named that we do think he will. Yeah. What would you like to address? Well, this week we saw the 30-year anniversary of the Family Medical Leave Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think Democrats were somehow in inexplicably unprepared to put forward a serious paid leave proposal. Mm-hmm around Build Back Better in the last session. Uh, the White House did put out a fact sheet this week on um, changes and improvements they've made to support women and families, workplace flexibility, those kinds of things. I'll be interested to see and, and hope that we'll hear about sort of pro-family economic policy uh, in, in, in the State of the Union. Um, I'll also say, would love to hear about the child, I mean, sort of on that note, about the child 
tax credit extension that Congress allowed to expire uh, last year. And so those are those are two things I'm, I'm looking for. What about you? Yeah, one I'll talk about foreign policy second, but the first the first one that I wish would be addressed better, and I I just don't think it will be just because uh, like that big bill that was passed this past summer um, that included some climate change provisions that I think that in a lot of ways like the chips the chips yeah, act yeah the chips act where you know there was some money towards climate change and. And I think the administration probably thinks that that's done and dusted for now, that that's not going to be a huge winner. But I just don't think that we can continue to have such extreme weather month in, month out. I mean, right now, it's this unprecedented freeze in various areas of the country. I mean, parts of Maine are minus 90 degrees wind chill. Texas, you know, with the power grid, has just been frozen over. And then, you know, in December, like that, that just wild storm obviously in our hometown of buffalo where it was hurricane force winds with like feet upon feet of snow that all of these extreme weather elements just can, and then oh california forgotten about california somehow with the um whatever term that they were using the massive river events that you know it rained there for three weeks straight we i don't think we can continue to have these huge weather events without it becoming a little bit more politi- politically expedient um, and viable to be talking about climate change more and what exactly the United States is going to do domestically and invest in things. And obviously the Infrastructure Act, you know, focuses a lot on this. Again, the money that was put towards being spent this past summer, but also internationally, foreign policy-wise, this could be integrated into that conversation about how the United States will lead, um, especially with our allies and with others, you know, who have been a part of the, you know, the COP, the UN COP exchanges each year. It's becoming a bigger and bigger problem. And according to scientists, we're just getting closer and closer to the no return that um, I think millennials and Gen Z millennials obviously having a bit more voting power because they're just showing up more than Gen Z is that from a 2024 perspective, it could start to become a more winning, you know, narrative for him. But just in general, from a policy side of things, I wish that climate change would be addressed more succinctly and with some real vision and uh, forward-looking future vision. On the foreign policy side, I know that he'll address Russia and China. The way that I hope that it's addressed, and you know, I could be happy with him going in many different directions just because I think that there will be logic behind a given number of scenarios. But with China, with this with this balloon thing, I know it's it's so funny sounding. But just a couple of weeks ago, a memo leaked from an Air Force general saying to um, his command that the Air Force needs to start preparing for a 2025 war with China because China by 2025 will have invaded Taiwan, especially after it has seen, even though Russia has obviously been on the struggle with actually conquering Ukraine, but China has seen the Western response towards everything and sort of staying out, that China is going to make a move on Taiwan and by 2025, there will be this war. This is a this was a memo that I think it was NBC that got a hold of it. That obviously was internal. wasn't we wasn't meant for our eyes. But you know, I read that and I think to the past few years of China. China, its diplomacy was quite belligerent up until about 2020, up until about the pandemic hit. And now since then, they've been engaging a lot more and they've been a bit more quiet and a bit less. They've had a bit less saber rattling. And since Ukraine has happened, they 
could have been making more moves towards Taiwan, but they have chosen not to. And with Secretary Blinken, he just had to pull down this trip from going to China because of this balloon thing. And then China has obviously since responded, saying that the United States has gone against international norms and they should we should expect some kind of retaliation. And it's just kind of like, oh, this whole balloon thing, I wish it hadn't have happened because Blinken has been going there quite often since the United Biden administration began. And I've been very happy with that because we've been in this new Cold War with them for several years now. And China knows that it was weakened quite a bit by the pandemic. The United States knows that its economy depends on China because we saw what happened with the supply side thing. We have inflation because we didn't have supplies of all kinds of materials because China couldn't manufacture them. So we know that China and the United States have realized since the pandemic that we are way too tied together, way too interdependent for us to continue on with any kind of like saber rattling, saber rattling or belligerence. And so I would hope that President Biden, especially post balloon, <laughs> I can't believe I have to say the words post balloon, um, that he actually uses diplomatic in- engagement-like language towards China and not sort of bellicose language towards China. I hope he uses bellicose language towards Russia because Putin has been so weakened. Um, and there's all kinds of stories now coming out about Putin's oligarchs and the public and you know people have been turning against him for months that Putin has been so weakened um, that he might actually leave him, install somebody, which I can completely believe. I hope he uses bellicose language towards Russia to continue to help prop up Ukraine in that way, but I hope he uses gentler more diplomatic language towards china even after you know they entered our airspace and hung out over (laughs) hung on over us with a large balloon for so long um simply for the fact that it will then help china to save face a bit with having been shot down um basically what was yesterday by the time this podcast airs I'm really hopeful for that because I think if he goes the belligerent route, it's just going to ramp things up. And I would see the logic behind it completely, but I would choose more engaging language, and I hope that's what he does. I think it's deeply important um, for U.S.-China relations for them to call this balloon thing a blip and for Blinken to be able to reschedule his— Not not a blimp, a blip. blip. And for Blinken to be able to reschedule his next visit. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think the politics of both of the issues you raised are uh, really tough. But as you said, this uh, this segment was not about the politics, but uh, just sort of what we wanted to uh, hear him on. You know, I, I, I do, um, I think the last thing I'll add, um, really back to the first part of this conversation, you know, Democrats feel that... Um, uh, abortion and Dobbs were a big part of the reason why they why they fared better than many thought they would in the midterms. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, it will be really interesting to hear a how long Biden speaks for on the subject, and then b how uh, strong his language is. Uh, in the past, you know, since Dobbs, he hasn't left much room for sort of, you know, these are two sides of good faith. You know, it's been fairly, fairly, um, fairly sort of, uh, you know, a 
polarized, sort of partisan, uh, uh, you know, strident remarks. It'll be it'll be interesting again to see both the tone and the the extent of the focus now that Democrats feel, at least many Democrats feel, uh, that this was a winning issue for them for them politically, but. With that, I think we're. I, I think listeners are, are set up to have their bingo cards ready to go for the State of the Union, and, and we'll Should see. Should we make a bingo card? Uh, no, because um, politics is not a game, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> I feel deflated like that balloon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, don't worry, way, it'll it'll just it'll just be a it'll just be a blimp. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Michael, on your computer screen right now, Michael has Twitter open, and somebody tweeted out a screenshot of an SNL cast member, um, Bowen Yang. Bowen Yang is a top three SNL cast member of all time for me. <laughs> um, he is dressed up as the balloon. So apparently, last night, Bowen Yang dressed up as the as the weather slash really truly a spy balloon and i cannot wait to watch this segment i love bowen so much he did this we, he did this iceberg bit a couple years ago that i re i rewatch it like it's a very a good bit we do not endorse the content of this bit we we're recording the podcast yeah we, we have no idea seen it. what actually includes but if it's bowen yang it's probably gonna be pretty funny still we do not endorse <laughs> <laughs> uh Hey, um, here's something to mention, which is uh, we passed our 50th episode. We said that last week. Did we? Mm-hmm. I know. I just wanted to celebrate Time again. is a construct, Michael. <laughs> did it, did it, well, Michael is still deep, knee-deep <laughs> in this book. So Michael has no idea what our children's names are, doesn't know... Who the president is? S and I. That's I just got the first initials. Uh, Sports down. Illustrated. Sports. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely calling them Sports Illustrated from now on. When I want to collectively talk about them, because I talk about them together as a pair all the time, I'm definitely calling them Sports Illustrated. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, one more week left, and then I think I'll have a. I'll have a final, well, I'll have a full manuscript. First draft of your manuscript. Yes. Then I will return to Sports Illustrated as their loving and doting father. <laughs> Until <Maybe>. then. <laughs> <laughs> I gave birth to Sports Illustrated. <laughs> I'll always be grateful. <laughs> for- <laughs> Okay, all right. I have more jokes to go along with. I do, too. I do, too. (laughs) But I'm not sure how far we want to. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Hey, leave a review. It it really does help. Yeah, we uh, haven't gotten a review in a while on Apple Podcasts, so go leave one. Yeah, unless it's going to be a bad one. Don't don't leave that because we, right now... Pray Up about top, it. there's a really good there's a really good review. You so, can always email us if you really don't like us. Yes, but if 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 it's a good review, Please that's fine. Put but it out for don't the world to see. don't displace the good review we have now. It's really nice. Yeah. Um. All right, folks. That's it. We'll be back next week. This has been where we are. Bye.
You came right in on that one. Because I was ready. I remember last week. I was so The last few weeks, there's been a delayed buy. It's the end of the weekend, but I still wanna turn up. Yeah, I still wanna turn up. All I want is to go again, but you ain't picking your...